0: Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts.
1: Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life & Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We are also brought to you by Aria Benefits. If you're a business or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you attract and retain that top talent, we can help check us out to book a free consultation and create a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. Al, Friday afternoon, podcast Friday, favorite day of the week. What are you up to this weekend? That might be dependent
2: highly on the weather, but I'm hoping I can uh, get on my bike a little bit. We'll see. But I think I'm also taking my daughter down for a tour of the University of Toronto, where she is considering attending next year. So it'll be a busy weekend as always.
1: You must feel you're at a certain age when you're doing the tours of the universities.
2: You know, it never fails. I always feel I'm at a certain age and it's uh... (laughs) It's
1: never a good thing, but... Well, we always say, what's the alternative, right? Not aging. I'd I'd rather take the aging. So that'll be great. I'm super excited because I've said it before. People are going to say, Rob, you said this too many times. But I love the podcast because I get to meet really cool people. And one of those cool people that we recorded a second episode today, which will be coming out soon, is with Leah Carr. And Leah Carr has become a colleague and a friend and just a great person to talk to, knows a ton about the industry, is very connected. So I leaned on her recently and I said, listen, I've always had the belief that really good people know other really good people. And I asked her for an introduction and we were introduced to our guest today, who is Josh Singer, who is the CEO at optimy.ai. Optimi is a leading AI powered sales conversion platform for the automotive, retail, and other industries. Their cutting edge technology helps organizations create profitable conversations to maximize revenue, increase efficiency, and improve the customer experience. And who doesn't want that? Josh, welcome to the show. Welcome. And Robin,
0: you did a better job explaining it than I did. So if you ever decide to add on additional <laughs> industries other than benefits, you're always welcome to join our company.
1: Hey, there we go. I'm getting offers. You know, it's funny. Back in the day when we first started the podcast, I had an industry related one. And the president or the owner of a, of a company was talking about he had gone to school in the States as a scholarship. And shortly after the episode came out, he was starting getting all these job offers from the U.S. And he had to reply back very, you know, very nicely, like, thank you very much, but I actually own the company. So, no, I won't be taking your offer. So, you never know. You never burn a bridge because uh, you never know when you might need to reach out and ask for assistance. So, I love meeting people like yourself because, to me, you are a true entrepreneur And part of this, where we started this series, was to find out about that entrepreneurial journey and where people came from and how they ended up where they are. So if you're open to it, I'd like to start there and just walk us through that entrepreneurial journey. And I don't know how far back you want to go, but take us back as far as you want to go, because I'd love to know where that started, what happened along the way, and how you ended up
0: here. Sounds great. And Al's going to like this because U of T has just thrown in an important component of that story. If your uh, daughter needs help with a tour of the different buildings, I know it uh, quite well. So I would say is the furthest back I remember from my entrepreneurial journey, I was probably in grade 10 in high school. And I remember two things that kind of got me going. Number one, the teacher in one of the classes, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember both me and a friend were sitting like basically one in front of the other, both answered entrepreneur. I don't know why I answered it. I think because one of my parents was an entrepreneur, didn't understand what it meant. But I'm like, when I grew up, I want to be an entrepreneur. And then at another point in high school, I had a friend come up to me like, Oh, I'm starting a, a gardening company. and you know, and so we were I was always talking to this individual about gardening companies. Anyways, what ended up happening was. I applied to a couple summer jobs when I was 15. One was working for Shoppers Drug Mart, you know, our local drugstore. And the other one was Cineplex Odeon, our movie theater. Basically, both places that hire anyone who is willing to take a job, anyone who could breathe and could verbally communicate. Even if they can't, they will still get the job. I went to the interviews, both of them, and I got declined at both of them. And literally, it was almost like, I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm like, Literally, I can't get hired by the companies that literally hire everyone. I'm like, what am I going to do with myself? I literally am like, I don't get it. So I'm like, you know, my friend was talking about starting a garden company. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start my own gardening company this summer. So I went and I delivered flyers door to door as a little kid. I ended up the first year getting four customers. And the great story around that was I was still 15. So I was too young to drive. So I had to walk from house to house really quickly i found out that even within your own little neighborhood it took just as long to walk from house to house as it did to mow a lawn i'm like this doesn't make sense Like, i'm spending more time getting to the houses than i am cutting the freaking lawns so i decided well what does every canadian kid know how to do rollerblade so i put rollerblades on and i would literally rollerblade with a lawnmower and a weed whacker down the main street People would be look, driving by like, what is this kid doing playing with a lawnmower in the street? Like, what is going on? But it saved me time. I'd get to the house, take off my blaze, put on the shoes, cut the lawn, and repeat. So started with four customers. While in high school, we built that up to over 100 customers. We had a truck, a trailer, and a crew of employees. And essentially, we'd go to school. School ended about 3 o'clock. And then we'd mow lawns until it got dark with the crew. I did that throughout high school and into my first semester of university and when i was at university which is u of t i'm like i'm having way too much fun i don't want to have to worry about work i don't want to have to go all the way back up north to go cut lawns like i need to get rid of this thing so i ended up selling it and someone basically like bought the customers and took over the business So i'm like okay this is fantastic my next business I started was in my last year of university. That was at U of T. That was, I was having an absolute blast. What happened was, again, I had a friend who was like, I was the, the guy throwing parties for my fraternity. And we would throw nightclub parties. So not like at the frat house, but like literally like the bigger nightclub parties. And I had a friend who was talking, he's like, oh, like I got sponsors and it was really cool. Like they gave us a bunch of free stuff. The event was really cool. So I said, okay, this next party that we're going to throw. I'm like, we're going to throw a massive party. We're going to give away tons of free stuff. It's going to be amazing. So my business partner, his family had started MAC Cosmetics. So I'm like, Brett, like hook us up with some free makeup. Like, let's just give makeup to the girls. And MAC is like a brand that like people just are in love with, especially when like they love their MAC Cosmetics. So I remember we got them and I think they gave us like 30,000 worth of free makeup. And it was all like in these sample bags, all the proceeds from the party went to charity. So we're kind of giving away, they're aligning themselves with a good cause. And anyways, we drew over twice the number of people to that event than the next best party we had ever thrown. It was amazing. The energy was there and everything was built around this makeup. Like I remember going around campus with one of those loudspeakers, sticking my head out the windows, we're driving by, free Mac makeup. Like we taped makeup to our bodies and went into like a cafeteria and our free MAC makeup. And literally the girls would chase us down. They would try to rip off the makeup like from our t-shirts, everything. But we leveraged that free giveaway to sell the party and it made the experience better. And that's where the first aha was, wow, people are literally coming to a party to be advertised to, right? The brand wants to do it because they're creating awareness and excitement And people are trying their product and the students want it because rather than going to your same old boring party, there's something cool, interesting about it. So when I started Cognitive in my last year of university, the original idea was to turn a nightclub party into a trade show as a way to advertise to university students. So we did that. We threw a couple of those parties. And what we ended up finding from that was that there was so much work involved in promoting a party and really you don't make very much money off of ticket sales because students only pay 10, 15 bucks a ticket. It's just like you're putting in all this work and you're not getting anything. So we pivoted to say, well, the majority of our money actually comes from the sponsors and what they're paying us to get access. So why don't we just bring sponsors to existing campus events where we don't have to do all the planning, the people are already there. And that was the original idea of Cognitive. It was actually saying is from the party where we really got it going was saying, Let's turn it into more of a campus marketing company that brings brands to existing events, sets up sponsorship activations. It evolved from there, but that's kind of where where that company started. That company is 17 years old today. And about two and a half years ago, when COVID hit, and we saw the large growth in online, digital, retail, and just the opportunity for helping customers buy products online just like they do in a physical store, we started Optimize, And Optimize today is really focused on helping customers throughout the entire sales funnel by providing generative AI to support them, answer their questions in a highly humanistic way and personalized way, and increase sales conversions for the brand by providing customers the information they need when they need it such that they actually make a purchase. And that's really what we're focusing on today.
1: You know, when you tell your story, and I compare it to my story, because I used to cut lawns too. As did I. We only had the electric mower because we had the Sears special. And, uh, you know, I would have to put the extension cord. I remember the first time I got a lawn that was too big for the extension cord. And I had to, I was embarrassed because I had to ask the lady. But you just took that to an entirely different level. And that's why I love having these conversations with entrepreneurs, because it's always interesting to find out where that came from. And obviously it's very evident that you're an entrepreneur because you took this right up to university as well. So that's, that's really impressive. I'm glad you're able to share that because I think it gives some context about where you are now and what you're doing. So that's really interesting. Thank you. So
2: you've started, well, I counted four companies in there. So tell us what do you
0: attribute your success to in starting these businesses and getting them off the ground? There's a couple of things I'd say from like an awareness standpoint, like what am I actually aware of as the entrepreneur himself? It's really about, you know, and I read this book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill when I was really young. And like, there's basically 13 steps. It's like the foundation of the book, The Secret, essentially. The book The Secret is just a modern way of saying kind of think and grow rich. But the idea here is everything starts with like an idea and a passion and like you have to have this really strong passion to want to persevere through it. And I feel like, especially earlier on, it was really about like that drive to want to create something big. I literally don't know why I was so motivated but it's like in my mind, I saw myself as the next Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Michael Dell, I was the renegade that was going to start a business in college and not graduate. And by the way, I, because I started my cognitive while in my last year of university, I dropped one course in the final semester, which means I'm at half a uh, credit left of graduating. And my goal was actually to not graduate. The thing is, my mom who paid for my entire college was like devastated by that. First of all, she kept on saying to me, get a real job, get a real job because she didn't trust this entrepreneurship stuff. So she's like, get a real job. Like you can't be an entrepreneur. Like you have to get a real job. Like this is not real. And the other thing that she kept on saying to me was finish your degree, finish your degree, finish your degree because I was literally half a credit short. And I'm like, well, like, if I finish my degree, then I can't be like uh, Michael Dell, Steve Jobs. Like they all had an idea in university and they never looked back. I eventually did two years later. I succumbed to my mother's Jewish guilt of just keep on laying it on me until I finally did finish. And that's why I'm not a billionaire, bottom line. I finished university and that's it. So- Thanks, um, mom. Yeah. (laughs) Gonna make some (laughs) some awkward conversations
2: around the dinner table. I wanna go back a little bit because you talked about, so one of the things you said is you have, have to have an idea and you have to have passion. But the companies you've started- and been successful with yeah. are very different. So is the passion simply in the challenge of creating a business or did you find passion? How did you find passion? Like for each very different lines of business.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I feel like at a young age, my identity became that of a successful businessman. Like I feel like if I remember correctly, like my high school yearbook on graduation where they like write what's this person and it's like first millionaire in our class type thing so whether right or wrong like whatever happened there there's an identity that was created and then sometimes you can just have to live up to the pressure of that whole identity and early on uh, while i was in university i went to a course uh, not a course an event where the this author of a book called blueprint to a billion And literally it was like, they studied all these companies that got to a billion dollars and they found like the commonality, like the seven things that every billion dollar company had six out of the seven. And I'm like, for whatever reason I want to, but I'm like, Oh, I want to be a billionaire. Can't explain why there's no logic to it. In fact, I've worked with an executive coach for quite some time. And the first thing that that coach picked up on is like, you don't even know why you want to be a billionaire. Like it doesn't make sense. It's almost incongruent. So there's something there, but I had this really burning desire to just build something big and change the world. I honestly don't know why, like part of it has to do with likely like childhood wounds if we go into like therapy and all that stuff, and like just needing to like be the best like for whatever reason, I feel like I need to be the top 1% of the top 1%. Like if I'm not that, then I'm not, I haven't accomplished enough for whatever reason. It's probably more about avoiding the negative Than it is a moving to positive. It's like, I'm not enough unless I'm literally right up there. And that's what really drove me. I believe ultimately, you know, you could probably get really deep into that stuff, but the high level is there was like, I need to be the top 1% of the top 1%, which does not make sense at all. And I absolutely does not drive happiness, but for whatever reason, that's kind of how I was programmed.
1: But I can relate to that though, Josh, I mean, I've said when I started ARIA, I I had said to my business partners who had presented the idea for because that's not our original branding, the branding that Al has behind him on his screen, Life and Legacy Advisory Group, that's our original. But I had a belief in ARIA and what it meant. And I've said from the beginning that I want to own the space. So if there's a conversation going on around benefits in the GTA, you know, whether it's Mercer or Aon, and no offense to those people, they do great work but I want to be in that conversation and I want to be known for having the best experience. And that is being that top 1%. So what you're saying resonates I mean, you might be on a further scale on the other end of the spectrum for me. And, and I think sometimes for the people that I've met who are so successful and so passionate, they don't always know specifically what drives them. I mean, I think they believe in what they're doing, but I think there's something else there. But I also want to go back to what Al was talking about in terms of passion, because passion is super important in business. i Al and I and Joe, my other partner, we've had this conversation about our purpose and why we do what we do. And I think we have really powerful reasons. But passion is not enough in that entrepreneurial journey, because I know I've faced really challenging times in running the business where... You know, I've been pulling my hair out, wondering what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And thankfully, I don't have many of those days anymore, but I certainly did in the beginning. Is there a time or on occasion that you can share with us that was the hardest thing you had to overcome as a business owner?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things that come to my mind. I think the thing that stands out the most was when I was running Cognitive, which that business I started my last year of college. What happened was myself and a couple partners were students, we started and we literally, are, it's like monkeys running a company that are just typing. <laughs> we have no idea what we're typing because like we'd never done it before. We had no one training us. We're kind of, everything was like guess and learn, which is actually quite impressive. And that is how people learn. And that's even how AI learns today, by the way. It's just trial and error and how quickly can you do that? But, but what happened was, The company got to a certain scale as well. When we surpassed that $10 million a year revenue mark that we started having growing pains. And what happened is even leading up to that, we were just working around the clock. I do remember in 2008 slash 2009, right when the banking crisis happened, there was a period for about one year where we literally worked day and night. Like we would either be eating meals, sleeping or working seven days a week. And I remember at that time being like, I love it. This is the greatest thing. And I was so happy. People Like, how could you enjoy it? I'm like, I love it. You guys have no idea what you're talking about. There was also a point when we went through some operational challenges, which I'll get to. I was completely burned out. And I was overly stressed and it caught up to me. And I then resented it and I was like bitter about it. And it was all about my accountability that I set it up. But what ended up happening was we got through this plateau and the business became really complex. So when we started, we had one client in one region. Then you have multiple clients in multiple regions. You know, spreadsheets work with one client, one region. When you have multiple clients in my region. So like we had payroll meltdowns. We had kids who were students acting as managers with no training on how to be a manager. There's just so many different elements of like what happened where it's just, we grew, we grew, we grew. And we didn't feel growing pains until we did feel growing pains. And then the problem was we were all stretched thin. And it's like, what fire do you put out? Because we're all stretched so thin. It's like, well, I could put out this fire, but then that fire starts getting bigger. And it was like a really challenging time. So I remember being pretty miserable at that time. And I'm sure my team could feel it just based on my mood and how I was. But that was probably the most difficult part of my career where it's like there was probably multiple years of like one thing were going really great leading up to that. Things were just working extremely smoothly and you can kind of feel when it's not operating well. It doesn't mean like everything completely fell apart but it was like a lot more challenging kind of like a vehicle that's still running but like it doesn't go as fast it might be making some noises along the way you know not as responsive like maybe there's a crack in the windshield so you could see but it's still bothering you that's kind of what it was like running that business and it was like yeah we're also going on one flat tire it's still moving but you know like it's way harder to get from point a to point b And I can't emphasize how difficult that was. It was very stressful. There's pressure from clients. I remember having a payroll meltdown. Payroll meltdown is where some of our staff were paid too much and other staff were paid too little because we were going off these spreadsheets. We were cutting and pasting data from one spreadsheet to another spreadsheet. And it got too complicated that it eventually became a mess. And I remember that all the people who weren't getting paid enough were complaining online. It was like not good. All the people who were getting paid too much. were very quiet. weren't saying a word, keeping all the extra cash. Anyways, like I said, it was literally kids. It was just yeah, not good. Anyways, very difficult time period for sure. That was not fun. But luckily enough, we did get ahead and we figured that out. And that was one of my biggest learners Was just investing in advance of the challenges because most times you don't realize you have a problem until it's too late and now that i've been through it knowing what to invest in and where or having advisors and mentors like i have a formal board of advisors right now for my tech business to help me see things before it happens anyone who would run a business at scale would be like you cannot continue to your spreadsheets We're like, why it works fine why would i pay for the software it just adds cost And like, I don't need it. And they're going to be like, because at some point you're going to need it. It's going to be a peril disaster. You need to get proper IT systems. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Well, at the time there was no one even telling me that I'm doing my thing. Do, 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 everything's running fine. And all of a sudden, boom, it doesn't. And it's like very quickly, everyone's unhappy. And it's like, how do you deal with that? So I don't know if that helps kind of answer that question, but yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think we've, uh, you know, you brought up one
2: example, but uh, I think we've all been there with some things that uh, we didn't anticipate. And it would have been great, like you said, to have someone to help you see around those corners. Robin and I both employed some coaching. And I think, Robin, you could attest that it helped you see around some corners. It definitely helped me out. So that's a great piece of advice. And that's what I want to focus on for the next question is any advice that you might have, I guess for yourself, if you were to look back, but of course, anyone who's listening could probably benefit from it. Is there anything that now that you've been through, you know, startups, you've been through, you've had some experience behind you, is there anything that you would tell yourself, you'd go back and tell yourself if you were starting the company again?
0: Yeah, no, this is a great question. And again, this is coming from someone who started a business at a very young age. And so starting at that young age, there's a very fine balance because you have to be confident That you could build a business otherwise you ought not build it right so i came in and like a lot of young people they think they know it all and they have all the answers now if i didn't have that i might not have started the business so there's a certain element of that that's great on the flip side i feel like an ongoing journey of mine that i'm still working on is like when Are you not right? When do you not have the right answers? And how do you balance feeling like you know what to do and listening to yourself versus like when you might be wrong? And so I'd say like the general theme of my professional development has been about dropping the ego. And what I mean by the ego would be is when I I think that I know all the answers or it should be done my way. I've just learned through experience that hiring better people who know more and allowing them to do it in a way that works for them is a lot easier and a lot more effective. Now the ego has to come to a realization that you don't know all the answers. In fact, the more I admit that I don't know, the more help I get, the more open I am to other ideas the more successful I become. You know, the other aspect of ego is, you know, that billion dollars, like it felt like I needed to do it all on my own in order. Like, it's not just, I need to be the top 1% the top 1%. It was like, and I need to work at it. I need to earn it. And I need to put the work in myself. And going through that hardship and all the challenges that I've gone through over time, I basically came to the conclusion that I don't actually hate myself. And therefore, why would I put myself through so much pain of trying to figure everything out on your own? It's like, why not make life easier on yourself? Why not achieve, also achieve with others? We could do it together, which is more rewarding. And it's just a heck of a lot easier. Why not make life easier on yourself? And being easier on yourself is, is so interesting. And this dynamic that I've been going through over time, I'm still a learning to it, but like, the more that I admit I'm not very good at something is the better we become at it because then we could seek that outside help or bring on the right person. And it's so interesting because like, I can admit I'm not good at this thing. still go after it from a company perspective. And that's what's so interesting is like the separation from me needing to know it versus like as a group if we're a team, like how do we do it together? And I think that has been the biggest learning and the uh, biggest journey that I've had. So whether it is, Hiring a leader, or like I've talked about, we now have a board of advisors that are overseeing and helping see things that I wouldn't see. It's like the admitting that I don't have the answer means I need the right leaders in the organization. I need people who have been there and done that to help see it. And that creates so much more opportunity.
2: Well, it's great advice. And I'm glad you went down that path because I think Robin and I have both experienced exactly what you talked about. And it's interesting how willing people are to help you out when you do say you know I need some help here I don't understand this I don't know this people are absolutely happy to help you out I think there is maybe a a little bit I think there's a bit of an attitude shift you know as a business owner as an entrepreneur you are expected to have all the answers like in the past like to admit that you didn't was like a big people would really judge you and say well they're just supposed to know that like they're the owner they (laughs) how can they not know the answer right but I do think there's a shift because we've heard that on this podcast a lot, a big shift about just saying, you know what, I I don't know how to do that. And I'm willing to try some things. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Like, I don't have all the answers. We're going to try it out and see what happens. So I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Robin, I'm sure you've got some some examples too of that. Well, like you said, Al, I mean, how many times we've been having these conversations and, you know, a common theme is that imposter syndrome. Right, And one of the great things that's come out of the episode, because we hear it every time, like you just shared, Josh, every time we release an episode like this, someone will send me a DM on, on LinkedIn and say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize other people were going through some of the same stuff that I was going through and letting go of the ego, exactly what you said, and finding people that you don't have to know the answers. And more importantly, you don't have to do it alone. And not only do you not have to do it alone, but you're exactly right. It's way more fun to do it with other people and have them come along for the ride with you. So I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people. And I'm, and I'm really glad you went down that path and talked about it, but I know you've heard the podcast before, so you know, it's coming. It's time in the episode for Al's signature question. And I'm actually really curious because you're, you're such an interesting cat to talk to. I'm really curious to hear your answer. So with that, I'll let Al take it away.
2: All right. Thanks. So here we go. As society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? It's a great question. I mean,
0: I'd say there's two trees and it all they're, they're connected, I would say. One would be in myself and then one would be with those around me. So there's just a constant desire to learn and grow as an individual. So I think, you know, in myself, it's the coaching, it's the events I go to, it's the podcasts. It's that constant learning and investing in myself through watering my seed that I can grow as an individual and get better as an individual. And then it's encouraging my team to do the same. So on our cognitive or staffing business, having everyone on the leadership team involved in peer mentoring programs, different coaching programs, conferences, and having a whole essentially university built throughout that organization really we're trying to invest in our teams so that they can grow as well now a lot of the time the organization is limited by the growth of the leader or what the leader is capable of doing it's kind of like the more well, my belief is like the airplane where they're like put the mask on yourself first and then others now what i might have done in the past is put the mask on myself and just you know not worry about others in terms of the personal growth so it's making sure that you're encouraging the team and bringing it all the way down for the team to do the same thing. And on the optimized side, it's that same thing. We're not as big of an organization yet because it's so more in startups, so we don't have at like a formal university, but there is constant learning and development that we're including in the organization, including specifically for the leadership team, but then as well, certain programs or elements of learning that we can bring in to make sure that everyone within the organization can learn, Maybe it's not as big of a budget. And I'd say that to me is the biggest thing. It's matching humans need to grow and learn as individuals. We constantly need that to be happy, but also at the same time, how can we be happy with what we have? And I think that comes to that constant development where we can reflect on the great stuff we've done, and what we have in our life, while also how do we learn and grow and take on newer, bigger challenges as time goes on? So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of where I would say I'm planting those seeds. Well, there's no wrong answer to that question, right?
2: So that was great. And uh, I'm glad you shared that with us. And I like your analogy with the airplane mask. I never thought of it that way before.
1: Yeah, that's a first. So I knew we'd have a good conversation. Well, <laughs> this has been, uh, again, Leah Carr. Thank you again for an amazing introduction. I'm still convinced, you know, it, until someone proves me wrong, really good people know other really good people. And and guess what? After this, we're going to be asking Josh, hey, who else do you know as well? Thank you for joining us today and sharing your journey. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about
0: yourself or what you're doing at Optimize? I would say check out my LinkedIn. I check out my LinkedIn messages. So Josh Singer, just search me on LinkedIn. You'll see the Josh Singer next to Optimize, And that would be the best and easiest way to reach out. All right. That's
1: awesome. Well, that does it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as always. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or we're joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And always, always remember success leaves clues. Hope you got some here today. Take care. See you next time.